and welcome to another episode of the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast of West Tennessee Healthcare. I'm your host, Kara Mobley, and on today's episode, we are discussing lung cancer. Here with me today, I've got Dr. Adam Summerlin, the Medical Director of Radiology, Dr. Jonathan Davis. He is the lead physician for West Tennessee Medical Group Pulmonology and Lung Nodule Clinic. And we've also got Brent Blankenship, the Director of CT, IR, and Nuclear Medicine. Welcome, everyone. Hi. Thanks, Thanks for having so us. Glad to be here. Thank you guys all for being here. So I know, Brent, you've been here before. Dr. Summerlin, we just saw you recently in mm-hmm. our radiology podcast. How have you been since we last met? We've been very busy. Yes, it's, I- uh, We're wrapping up uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and it has definitely been a been a doozy of a month absolutely i can imagine and uh brent how have you been been well doing well great now dr davis this is your first time on welcome thank you Uh, tell me yeah tell me a little bit about yourself how long have you worked for west tennessee medical group pulmonology yeah so i joined west tennessee health and west tennessee medical group in october of 2022 i was working uh, purely critical care for several months and in april i switched over to west tennessee medical group pulmonology and i've been very busy over there since then Great. Yes. So we're filming this podcast in November, November being Lung Cancer Awareness Month. So we wanted to do a podcast. We've we've had one last year that was a lung cancer testimonial, but this one we kind of want to give a little bit more information about the disease itself, about how people can get screened, early detection and all that. So I'm going to pass it over to Brent, who is going to be conducting the interview with you guys to kind of get some more information on this subject. Great. Thank you. So first of all, let's find out who is at risk for lung cancer. So the the primary risk for lung cancer are smoking history. Um, We found that about 85 to 90 percent of lung cancer is causal from smoking. Other risk factors include family history of lung cancer and then inhalants from, you know, other types of fumes, smoke uh, over a prolonged period of time. And then finally, uh, which goes along with smoking, uh, COPD is an independent predictor for lung cancer. Great. Thank you. So that kind of leads into our Next question, is there or what is considered the leading cause of lung cancer? That's going to be cigarette smoking. So when would a person need to be screened based on how how would they know that they need to do this? So guidelines have been established specifically for the, the smoking population, obviously family history too. But if you look at the guidelines for, for instance, the ACR lung cancer screening program and criteria, it is looking at patients who have a significant smoking history, whether that's current smoking and or past smoking. And typically we look for 30 years, 30 pack year smoking history and patients over age 40. So any combination of those things is sort of the baseline recommendation to begin screening. And so folks get this screening. I guess we can talk about what is a low-dose CT screening. So this actually parallels a lot of what we were talking about last time, Kara, with regard to screening for breast cancer. So screening is a way of detecting early cancer when we have more treatment options available. And so screening in lung cancer in particular is first about identifying the right patient population. That's what we were just talking about with smoking history or family history, other things that would put you in that higher risk than average category. And then those patients need to be screened. Screening, like anything else, is uh, usually a test that we do in this case with imaging. And we do a low-dose CT. A low-dose CT is basically the same amount of radiation exposure as a chest X-ray. It is a very negligible amount of exposure to the patient, so it's felt to be 
a lower risk of any other sort of downstream side effects or anything like that, uh, any risk to the patient from the exposure to the actual test. But the detection rate is much, much better than screening with just an x-ray. Oh, okay. That has been done for decades, just screening patients with risk factors with chest x-ray. And it turns out chest x-rays are just not very good. CTs, however, detect a much greater amount of cancer and detect it much earlier, um, stage for stage. And then that allows us to provide better treatments and better outcomes, which is more in his court than mine. But that's the, sort of the philosophy and the goal of, of how we do this. Right. Fortunately, we're finding that only about 15% of people that are eligible for screening are actually getting the screens they need. And it's a massive problem because about a quarter million people are diagnosed uh, with lung cancer each year and about 150,000 people are dying each year. But most people aren't getting the screening that they qualify for. And some of the experts are even saying to start screening after just 20 pack years, which is you know becoming earlier. And the earlier we find cancer, the earlier the stage and even just smaller nodules Cancer can largely be prevented and lives can be saved by, by screening and detecting things earlier. So if these we've got patients or folks in the community that feel like they meet some of these criteria, who's going to be ordering these low-dose CT screenings for them? That's a great question. These can be ordered by any physician. The, the vast majority of these, we hope in the future, will be ordered by the patient's primary care physician. But certainly, uh, we order quite a few in pulmonology as well. And a lot of people discharged from the hospital get recommended this. And they can really be ordered by anyone, but usually by the primary care physician or the pulmonologist. And I can talk about a little bit of how it's done. So it's a pretty simple procedure as far as once you get your order from your provider, you come into one of our facilities that perform the low-dose CTs. And here at West Tennessee Healthcare, we have two. We have our West Tennessee Imaging Center that performs them, and we also have our volunteer hospital in Martin. So you would come in. It's a procedure that doesn't require any needle sticks or any kind of IV contrast or anything like that. It's a without contrast procedure. And you come in, the staff would get you on the CT table. You would go through the CT machine about three times. It's going to ask you to hold your breath three or four times and take a total of about 20 seconds and you're done. So very simple, easy procedure to have done. So let's talk a little bit about we have these screenings done and we find something. So what is a lung nodule? Backing up one second from that. So after the actual scan, there's a bunch of reconstructions and, and things that are done technically before the images are available to be reviewed by the radiologist. So when patients come for their test, they're not leaving with an answer when they walk out the door. There's a couple more steps uh, before that, and that's where primarily your radiologist is going to uh, use a specialized workstation with high-resolution monitors to pull up very thin-slice images looking through the lungs in multiple planes to be able to maximize our detection of these nodules. Lots and lots of people, especially here in the South, have nodules for a variety of reasons, and most of those nodules that we find are benign calcified granuloma. There are also non-calcified granuloma. And then there's a bunch of things we see that are sort of results of, you know, uh, result of living, whether that's like little areas of scarring in the lung or something like that. We can't always tell that from a single image, but a lot of times uh, we can follow these or we can see them on previous exams that patients have had. And, and so we can use that to kind of 
guide what the appropriate follow-up and management is of these lung nodules. When we do find a nodule, and a nodule is basically an island of solid tissue in what otherwise should be an air-filled space in the lungs. And so we do measurements of those, and we compare those measurements to the criteria and guidelines published from the screening guidelines, and then we put these nodules into categories based on how much risk to the patient. And just like the mammography that we've talked about before, those range from simple benign nodules all the way to highly suspicious nodules with further treatments or interventions recommended. And then there's a gradation in between. All of that uh, information will go into the report and go back to your primary care provider so that you can then discuss what the next step is. And all of that is spelled out in your report. That's helpful information. So it sounds like we get the report back, then we'll have a detailed plan of action as what we'll do next, whether we follow up or, you know, how are we going to know, how would we know if it's cancer? How would a patient know if it's actually cancer? Usually the results from the imaging test alone are not sufficient to tell you that this is cancer. It's enough to tell you that there's something there and to have a plan of what to do next. And For most patients, probably 90% of patients who get a a low-dose screening CT, probably 90% of those come back as either completely negative, there are no nodules at all, or there are small benign nodules, whether they're these calcified granuloma or, you know, other technical features that make them benign. And for those patients, even though that is a negative result for them because of their risk factors, they still need annual ongoing screenings. So those are recommended. Those recommendations for a follow-up low-dose CT chest in 12 months are published at the bottom of the report that goes out to the patient's provider that's available online through the website as well to the patient directly. The next category of lung nodules is nodules that aren't obviously cancer, but we can't just ignore them. And so that second group is a group that we follow a little bit more closely. Those nodules we typically follow with a CT chest in six months to evaluate and see if they're changing, if they're increasing in size or increasing in number, if there's some other feature that allows us to be more precise about how much risk of cancer there is. And then there is a subset of nodules that are large enough and or suspicious enough in their imaging features that we feel not 100% certain but fairly confident that this is going to represent a lung cancer malignancy. And for those nodules, additional testing is needed not in six months but now. And that testing could range from additional imaging right now to a needle biopsy to even a bronchoscopic type biopsy. And I would add to that, as Brent mentioned earlier, you'll you'll have a when you have your low dose CT, you'll take a breath, and I would encourage people to really take take as big a breath as they can, you know, safely do, because that'll help with uh, mm. not necessarily the imaging, but that'll help with possibly the next steps as far as you know what what type of biopsy we can do to get to the nodule. That's super helpful. What is the? Do you know if insurance will pay for it? I know a lot of people may be wondering about that. People that qualify for low dose. CAT scanning by the Preventative Services Task Force guidelines will uh, be completely covered for their low-dose CAT scans. Okay, that's great. Now, are there any times, uh, you know, sometimes when you get screenings done,
on you have to fast the night before or take certain things. Do you have to drink any contrast or have an IV started for this? No, this is a non-contrast exam. It's completely non-invasive. There's no oral contrast, no IV contrast. It is a quick, simple in and out procedure. Now, can anyone, you know how we talked with breast cancer screenings, you can you can self-refer. So with these kind of screenings, can you self-refer or would it have to come from a physician? Good question. So this requires an order from a physician and there are some clinical screenings. Uh, he was alluding to the guidelines from the USPSTF, which are mirrored by the ACR as well, in terms of selecting out the patients who are going to benefit. And so those are typically clinical questionnaires about things like family history, smoking history, length of years. I think there's also, unless they've relaxed it, and I don't know about it, a requirement that they do some smoking cessation counseling in conjunction with that. And so all of that goes into determining who is eligible. But then once you've Past all those barriers, yes, it is covered 100%. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people we find, if they do come in for lung cancer screening, a lot of people are lost to follow up, so they don't come back for their their screens afterwards. And, you know, we found that people should be screened for 15 years after they quit smoking. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one-time screen. It's an annual screen until you either turn 80 years old or you have quit smoking for 15 years. I have a question. So um, I know, I think Dr. Davis, you mentioned at the beginning that it would be someone's primary care doctor would probably be the one, you know, based on the symptoms, what the patient is describing would issue, you know, initiate getting screened for, for lung cancer or nodules, when would somebody see a pulmonologist? Yeah, so the, the most common uh, reason that I get referrals is shortness of breath. There's a lot of different reasons for shortness of breath, and asthma and COPD are two of the most common, but certainly uh, pulmonary fibrosis, which is a progressive scarring of the lung. And then uh, lung nodules is another uh, large reason for referral. So we work those up a number of ways, and, and lung screening is basically checking for lung nodules or signs of cancer when there are no symptoms. But we often also prescribe a CAT scan when people do have symptoms. And unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, because only 15% of people are getting screened, about 75% of all lung cancers that are caught are coming in because they have symptoms. And people usually uh, start developing symptoms when they either have a larger cancer in their lung or it's a more advanced stage, which means the cancer has spread. So th this is why it's so important if you have symptoms or if you're, if you're qualifying for screening that you come in and do that sooner than later to make sure that we, we find the you know abnormalities as soon as possible and can address them. And even if it's not cancer, we can certainly help with symptoms uh, of these other diseases like asthma and COPD that I described. And we can we get you worked up and, and sorted out for that. Right. And in terms of treatment for lung cancer, are the, uh, you know would they see an oncologist along with a pulmonologist? How do, how does that work within your field? Sure. So once I get a referral for a lung nodule, there's several next steps that go into it. Uh, first thing we do is pro uh, calculate the probability that a lung nodule represents cancer. There are two calculators for this. The first is called the Brock model, and the second is the, the Mayo model. So we plug in some information such as your age, history of other cancer you may have had, family uh, history of cancer, the location of the nodule, the size of the nodule, and it gives us a risk and a percentage that this nodule represents cancer. If it's low 
risk, we usually follow it. If it's moderate to high, well, if it's moderate risk, we may do further diagnostics, things like a PET scan or a blood test that we refer to as a liquid biopsy. And then if those suggest cancer or if you're automatically high risk by these calculators, then we'll pursue biopsy. There's a couple different ways to do biopsy. Radiologists do biopsy through the chest wall with a needle. They, they do a great job of, of numbing up the, uh, the tissue with uh, lidocaine, which is kind of like the dentist uses Novocaine. They use lidocaine and then, you know, sometimes use pain medicine to make sure that you're comfortable and you're not suffering during the biopsy. Alternatively, sometimes we'll actually bring you in and we'll, uh, we'll put you under general anesthesia. We'll put a breathing tube in and then we'll go in with a bronchoscope and uh, we'll stick a needle into the nodule to, to find out what it is. And ultimately, before you get treatment for cancer, we need to know what type of cancer it is. So the biopsy is going to be the next step. After that, we decide if your cancer is localized. And you know, for that, as I mentioned, we do a PET sometimes, but we also check the, the brain often with an MRI. And if, you're, if your lung cancer is just in one spot in the lung, most people can go for surgical resection. So we would refer you to thoracic surgery for that. If your cancer is more advanced and it's spread to other areas, or if it's in multiple spots of the lung, you might not be an, a candidate for surgery, in which case you may be a candidate for radiation, but most likely you'd be a candidate for chemotherapy and a new generation of chemotherapy that's less toxic and better tolerated called immunotherapy, which is one of the great advances we've had over the past years. And for that, we would refer you to an oncologist. And as far as during treatment, I mean, are people having to get re-screened or re-scanned to make sure, you know, the treatments are working? Yeah, as he was saying, so part of the workup of a new cancer diagnosis is additional imaging. And then in terms of assessing response to treatment or therapy of a proven cancer undergoing treatment, we basically do serial surveillance imaging studies to look at whether we're shrinking the cancer, whether it's getting bigger, whether there's cancer in a new spot, those kinds of things. So imaging is a a critical piece of of evaluating patients on the front end, but also assessing treatment response uh, on the back end. Yeah, during and then also, yeah, afterwards when Mm -hmm. people are going to make sure, you know, everything's good. All right. I'm really excited about some of the next generation uh, treatments that are coming out now. Robotic bronchoscopy has recently entered the scene and uh, is giving us a lot more precision than we had prior and the ability to diagnose nodules less invasively and, uh, again, at a earlier, like a smaller nodule size or an earlier stage, which will improve outcomes but also, you know, offer patients the opportunity to, to maybe have less toxic treatment. And there's another generation of uh, treatments coming out that we may be looking at as early as the next six months where we can actually start to treat cancer with a bronchoscope through the airways. And right now, it's uh, the trials are for later stage cancer, but there are several um, you know studies undergoing to treat cancer at early stages. And I think over the next three to four years, we'll start to see less systemic kind of treatments and, and more novel treatments that will be better tolerated by patients and offer them a cure at an earlier stage without, you know, the invasiveness of a surgical lung resection. Um, so within, you know, within the West Tennessee area, within West Tennessee healthcare, the system, we work with the imaging center, we work with West Tennessee Medical Group, primary care, pulmonology, we've got lots of different specialties there. So if there are any uh, patients or members of the community in West Tennessee will definitely share resources within the show notes of this podcast and also how they can get in contact, you know, if they don't have a primary care or, you know, what they would need to do to to get the ball rolling if they feel that they are at risk or need to be screened. 
Yep. That would be a great first step is if you've smoked at all and you're not sure, even after the discussion and maybe even looking online at a couple of things and you're like, I don't know, is this, is this relevant or applicable to me? That's where it's time to pick up a phone and call your primary care provider or another member of the medical community right. um, and just ask some questions. Right. When in doubt, definitely reach out. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for coming on and talking to us about this topic today. Thanks for having Thank us. You, yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to We Talk Health. This podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic, you can reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com.